Welcome to Let's Talk Micro. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Micro. As always, I hope you had a great week. And you can always find Let's Talk Micro on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, GoodPods, Pandora, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find Let's Talk Micro. As far as social media, I am on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube as Let's Talk Micro, on X as Let's Talk Micro 1, on LinkedIn as Luis Plaza, and have an email address which is letstalkmicro at outlook.com. So either via social media, via email, you can provide any feedback, any suggestions, any possible topics. They are always welcome and appreciated. So please go ahead and subscribe to the podcast, download episodes, and if the app allows you to do so, please go ahead and leave a review. Your support is always appreciated. Thank you so much. And if you haven't listened to the previous episode, please go ahead and do so. It was a great collaboration with the Breakpoints SIDP podcast. And they are a very established, you know, very known podcast. And I had the opportunity to be a guest in it and, and talk about some great topics, such as the 2024 Breakpoint requirements from the College of American Pathologists. And that can definitely be a lot of information. Where do we start? What resources? So we go over, you know, we talk about the, the toolkit. So definitely a great episode. And if you haven't checked it out, please go ahead and do so. And if you haven't checked out the Breakpoints podcast, I invite you to go ahead and do so. They have some great content, some great episodes. So please go ahead and check them out. And if you are looking to learn more about antibiotics, please check out www learnantibiotics.com and the Learn Antibiotics book available on Amazon. And these resources include cheat sheets, practice tests, games, and more, and are being used by thousands of people worldwide and may be helpful for you or your colleagues. And these resources are from Dr. Timothy Gauthier, who's a pharmacist and a very passionate one that wants to share information. I had the opportunity to meet him and talk to him, so I invite you to check out these resources. So one of the secrets of being a good microbiologist, a great one actually, is repetition, right? You see things over and over again. And also another thing that makes a microbiologist a great one is education. And with that comes knowing where the resources to do your job are and familiarize yourselves with them. And I did an episode which was episode 88, which was Clinical Microbiology Procedures Handbook. Well, the editors-in-chief, Amy Lieber and Carrie Ann Burham, join the podcast to talk about it. And another great resource is the Manual of Clinical Microbiology, which in 2023 released its 13th edition. So in this episode, I have Dr. Karen Carroll, who's the Director of Clinical Microbiology Division at John Hopkins. And she's one of the editors-in-chief of this edition. And she comes to the podcast and, and talks about it and breaks it down, you know, what type of content it has, what's new, how is this information obtained. So overall, it was a great episode with some great information. So thank you so much, Dr. Carol, for taking the time. And one thing that Dr. Carol said in the episode that I really liked was that it became apparent to her as an ID fellow that she could not do her job effectively as a consultant without the support of the microbiology lab. I really like that. So I hope you like this episode. As you know, the Manual of Clinical Microbiology is a very important resource. And if you work in the lab, you're familiar with them. And if you're not, after hearing this episode, you, you'll get familiar with it. So let's go ahead and listen to the episode.
last year there was an episode of the podcast about one great and very important resource that we use in the clinical microbiology laboratory, which was the ASM handbook from the American Society for Microbiology. So today we're here to talk about another very important uh, resource that we have in the lab, which is the ASM Manual of Clinical Microbiology. So with me today, I have Dr. Karen Carroll. Dr. Carroll, welcome to Let's Talk Micro. Thank you. Uh, I really appreciate this invitation, Luis. My pleasure. So I told the audience your name, and then uh, maybe if you, we can do like a quick introduction, a little bit about yourself. Sure. Yeah. So um, as I mentioned to you, um, since high school days, I've always found the microbial world uh, very fascinating. And I have to thank mentors along the way who have steered me to embrace a career in medical microbiology. So I am a physician. I, after finishing a residency in internal medicine, I completed a fellowship in infectious diseases at the University of Massachusetts Medical Center. And fortuitously, I met uh, Dr. Gary Dorn, who uh, was the director of the microbiology laboratory there. Um, it quickly became apparent to me as an ID fellow that I could not really do my job effectively as a consultant without the wonderful support of the Clinical Microbiology Laboratory. I found myself visiting the lab every day to learn about the cultures uh, of my patients and um, just really uh, found it fascinating, uh, you know, what the, what the techs did and how knowledgeable they were in the clinical lab. Um, so, uh, you know, I realized that I wouldn't be able to treat them effectively without the work that they were doing. So a few years later, um, luckily, I found myself at the University of Utah, an institution that offered additional fellowship training in microbiology. And after a fellowship, I was offered a position as associate medical director of the micro lab at ARUP Incorporated, where um, I subsequently led the laboratory for about 14 years. And then in 2002, I accepted a position here at Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine in the Department of Pathology as the director of the Clinical Microbiology Division. And I'm currently a professor of, of pathology. And my, my interests really are bacteriology. My, my association with the manual goes way back <laughs> to the eighth edition, which was published in 2003. I was junior faculty then, and I was invited to be a chapter author, and I was thrilled. Um, uh, so, so I was invited four years before to, to contribute a chapter for the um, 2003 publication. Um, and as I said, I was thrilled to be asked to participate because I considered it, considered it you know, an invaluable resource for me as a, as a lab director. Um, and uh, shortly thereafter, I became a volume editor and then was asked to become uh, editor-in-chief. Um, so that's sort of my background and, and a little bit about, you know, how I came to be associated with the manual. Well, thank you for that. And once again, you know, thank you for, for taking the time. You know, I'm really, that's a, we'll talk more about this, but I'm very, very happy to be talking about this. And uh, I like that what you said about, uh, you know, you went to the lab and you started learning more. And that's, you know, that's really good. I think that a lot of times, you know, People outside the lab and physicians, you know, they don't know much about what we do. And at the same time, you know, on the reverse, we we have 
we don't have a lot of idea what goes on. So like bridging, you know, those gaps and, and learning more about what goes on each side, you know, it goes a long way. So thank you for that. That was, that was great to hear. Yeah. So we actually, we continue that now. We, um, we have daily laboratory rounds and we've invited our infectious disease colleagues to join us. Um, and so it's wonderful for everybody to hear the patient presentation and then see how the micro lab contributes to patient management. So I know we're digressing a little bit from the manual, but, but the manual is important, you know, for contributing to the, to the knowledge as well. So. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you. And I, I like that. That sounds very, very interesting. So as far as if you're in the audience, you're listening, you're a medical laboratory scientist and you work in microbiology, you might be familiar with the manual of clinical microbiology. Um, but for the sake of everyone just tuning in, what is the manual of clinical microbiology? Yeah, so the manual of clinical microbiology is a textbook. Um, it's been published by the American Society for Microbiology since 1970, and more recently in partnership with ASM's commercial book publishing uh, partner, Wiley. <clears throat> in my opinion, it's one of the premier textbooks covering all aspects of clinical microbiology, written and edited by experts in the field. And these are experts that, are, that practice every day in, in clinical labs. Also, to, uh, I want to highlight the international scope of the book. One third of all authors who contributed content for the most recent uh, 13th edition are from countries outside the United States. And so, you know, I believe the manual truly has a global impact. Um, the book is divided into uh, nine sections, and, and we now have four volumes. And I know we'll get back to, to that in a moment with one of your questions. But in total, the book has 155 chapters, over 2,600 pages. Um, the content in section one covers diagnostic strategies and general topics, whereas the other sections really focus on organisms. So they're organism-specific chapters related to the subdisciplines of bacteriology, virology, mycology, and parasitology. There are also separate um, sections within each volume that cover antimicrobial agents for treatment of all of those pathogens, as well as the susceptibility testing methods that we need to use for each category of organism. So the book is very comprehensive in its scope. Yes, it is. And, and, and I'll talk more about this a little bit later about my experience with it. And definitely a lot of information, you know, very organized, all in one place, as I said on the, on the opening, a great resource. So the question might, you know, comes to mind, you know, there's definitely so much information out there, right? You do, you go on a search engine, you search for something, you get all these hits, papers, this, 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 and that. So overall, like, where is this information and how is it obtained? Yeah, excellent question. So chapter authors, as I mentioned, are experts in their field. Um, they derive the content um, from each chapter from a, com a combination of peer-reviewed literature. And some of this literature they may have contributed to through their research. Uh, regulatory guidance, you know, there are uh, requirements for how we test. Um, there are best practices. Um, some of the uh, 
information may be found in professional society guidelines. We try to incorporate that. We also utilize guidelines from the Clinical Laboratory and Standards Institute and, um, and other, uh, other bodies that are not professional societies that may provide some, some guidelines. Um, in order to guide the authors, we do have an outline for the organism-specific chapters that each of the authors try to follow. So the general format of the organism-specific chapters include an update on the taxonomy of a particular genus or genera that may be discussed in that chapter, a description of the genus, what are the general characteristics that are common to the species in that group, epidemiology and transmission. We have to understand that so we know how to collect samples um, and, and so we know how people get the disease. If we don't understand the epidemiology and transmission, then we cannot really appropriately develop diagnostic tests to detect them, for example. Clinical significance, what diseases, and we, we are focused in this manual primarily on human pathogens, although we sort of, we do understand the One Health concept of, you know, um, animals sometimes contributing to human diseases and maybe sometimes even vice versa, for example. Uh, collection, transport, and storage of specimens, direct examination, and now we go beyond just stains and antigen detection to all of the wonderful molecular tools that we have out there for direct detection of pathogens in different clinical material, isolation procedures if they are still uh, relevant. Um, some pathogens may not be easily cultivated, and so they have to be detected in a different way. And then for those organisms that are cultivated, what are the systems that we use for identification? And you'll notice the transition in the text uh, over the, the, the additions over the years where we're, we're relying less upon biochemicals. I mean, they are still important, but now we have better tools such as proteomics and sequencing that are replacing some of our labor-intensive uh, labor and inaccurate methods of identification. We then round out the chapters with discussion of typing systems, which are important to uh, tracking communicable diseases, serologic tests, that is the antibo uh, antibi antibody, excuse me, antibody response uh, to the pathogen, which may be, you know, the first line in diagnostics for certain particular pathogens, antimicrobial susceptibilities, and then finally we end each chapter uh, with a summary on the evaluation, interpretation, and reporting of results. So there's a really nice logical flow, I think, to all of these chapters, which I think the reader finds um, very useful in terms of the consistency from chapter to chapter. Well, you know, thank you for that. And and just by saying, you know, like what's in the book and where the information is from, it pretty much pretty much kind of answers the next question. So by now, when I ask it, it's just going to be a little bit of you can add anything to it. Um, but definitely, you know, all this relates to the work that we do in the clinical laboratory. Anything else that you want to add about that? Yeah. So I, you know, I just want to emphasize that the manual does strive to be a one text solution for the latest knowledge on all dimensions of, of clinical microbiology. And it does 
cover, you know, critical information on pre-analytical, you know, this specimen collection component, analytical, which of course is the testing that, that we talk about, and post-analytical aspects, you know, how to report or communicate those results with the users of the laboratory. Um, we, I mentioned the structured outline in pretty significant detail, probably more detail than you wanted. Um, but, but I do, but I am very excited because I think those detailed, that detailed structure allows the user to navigate the content uh, more easily. And then personally, I, I, I know I'm biased, but this book has always been my go-to reference text for information to address questions and to just refresh my knowledge when we encounter less frequently isolated organisms in the clinical lab. And, and I also, you know, make use of some of the references that the authors have cited um, when, um, when learning about them. Um, I have to say that I've received great feedback from clinical microbiologists on the manual, um, stating, you know, some have told me they find it invaluable to their work, um, and also they consider it their top resource, which, of course, makes me happy. <laughs> yeah, no, I have to say, you know, uh, it, like I mentioned, you know, it is it is a great resource, and for me, it's also a go-to resource, and I have so many memories, and it has helped, you know, in, in the growth. Because, you know, like I say, you know, this is a lot of information and, and what we do, it just, it takes, you know, it doesn't happen overnight to get proficient, to get comfortable. You know, it takes a lot of repetition, a lot of using these resources so you continue building on that knowledge bank and it helps you. Yeah, you know, sometimes a lot of cultures, you know, you get the same organisms and it can be a little repetitive, right? You get a lot of E. coli, let's say Staph aureus, and you're pretty, you know, we get pretty comfortable with those. But then we get those organisms where, or we get an unusual reaction or something we are not expecting. And I was an upcoming tech, you know, not that long after I graduated the program, you know, reading place, you know, you're working on a weekend, you get an organism. Oh, you know, what do I do? And, and I remember great memories. So just pulling those books and saying, okay, I have this, I have this reaction. And then, you know, of course, if you're not, if you're unsure and, you know, always consult someone more proficient, you know, like your director, let's say your supervisor, but. At the very least, you know, you do that research and you prepare and you find the information. A lot of times, you know, just by looking at this, it helps you with the, okay, yeah, it makes sense. You know, this matches. I have this morphology, this biochemicals. I'm confident that this is what I'm, what I have here. So I definitely recommend to the audience as you start working in a lab, just look up this resource and we'll talk about, more about availability, but just make sure you look at it. It is great and you're going to benefit a great deal from it. Yeah, thank you for that, Luis. Also, this might be a good time to just say that as, as people use the manual, we love feedback. Um, ASM Press would like the feedback. Um, the editors, section editors, volume editors, even chapter authors would like feedback on things that maybe were omitted um, uh, or things that um, perhaps require uh, more than a cursory discussion. Uh, we make use of that feedback uh, to update uh, every edition. And, you know, we'll talk about maybe uh, in a few minutes some of the um, new content in MCM 13, uh, a lot of which came out of uh, feedback from the authors themselves, um, but also some of the editors. And then uh, 
colleagues of authors and editors who um, who found the book maybe lacking in in a particular area. So feedback is always welcome, and um, uh, we encourage uh, you know people to drop us a line. Okay, and just just real quick on that, they uh, is there like a, a specific place or they can go to the ASM website and 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 provide that feedback? Yeah, I don't think there's a place on the ASM website, um, but I think the contact information for the authors and editors um, is can be found in the front matter of the book. Um, and people are also welcome to, you know, email myself, um, you know, through the Johns Hopkins, you know, they, you, they can just search for my email address or my information through the Johns Hopkins portal, um, website, Johns Hopkins medicine website. Yes. And that's kind of how I, you know, uh, as I look at the book and I saw who was, I saw the, the editors and that's how I found you. And yeah, so definitely, uh, reach out and and it was a positive experience from the moment that I reached out you know I got a great response and here we are doing this episode so um you mentioned that so you are the editor in uh editor in chief um so let's talk a little bit about what are your responsibilities and as far as this position you know is it permanent or does it change with every edition yeah that's a great question so um actually we now have two editors in chief um uh, myself and Michael Fowler are the two editors-in-chief for the um, current uh, MCM 13, and we'll come back to that toward the end. Um, but the editor-in-chief editor position is voluntary, um, but, it, but it is taken seriously by ASM. So uh, ASM vets the recommendations on who to uh, choose as editor-in-chief um, based upon uh, usually, you know, track record with, with the book um, and also um, feedback from the section editors and volume editors on, you know, did the editor-in-chief, was the editor-in-chief responsive? Did they do a good job, et cetera? The editors-in-chief are responsible for overseeing all editorial aspects of the book and shaping its content. We work very closely with our wonderful section editors and volume editors. Um, some of the uh, conversations at the beginning are to establish the number and types of chapters. Do we need to expand the content? Um, you know, how much is there like really old content that just should go away? And uh, what is, what is the new content that we need to include and how do we do that? We like to discuss the authors that we've chosen um, and we choose them um, based upon their uh, track record in the literature. You know, they're content, content experts. Um, we also want to choose people that pay attention to deadlines. <laughs> uh, so that's very important to ensure timely publication of the book. The editor-in-chief, of course, is in, in, it responsible for ensuring that production meets the deadline, and we have to deal with any issues, conflicts, or queries that come up during the whole process. And um, suffice it to say that the editors um, may end up having to write a chapter if an author doesn't come through. Um, so I ended up having to do that <laughs> for a prior edition of the book. Um, 
But at any rate, it's it's just a, an honor to be um, an editor in chief. You know, I it, it's just been such a pleasure to, to work with such smart people um, uh, that I've had the pleasure to to work with over these past four years. Um, so this is the thirteenth edition, right? So definitely, as we know, in, in microbiology, there's a lot of changes constantly. You know, things like names, you know, instrumentation. So it's a field that continues to change and, and evolve. So what's new in this edition? Yeah. So, um, you know, I think, of course, this edition, and again, I'm biased, um, is one of the best ever <laughs> because we we added new content and really exciting and relevant contact uh, content. Um, as you as you mentioned, the field is constantly changing. We have to keep pace with um all aspects of, of clinical microbiology. Um, and even though all of the chapters are refreshed with new content for this particular um, edition, I would like to highlight some things. So in section one, we, again, based upon uh, feedback from readers, we added a new chapter on diagnostic stewardship uh, this chapter is, is simply wonderful. It contains a wealth of inf practical information for daily improvements in appropriate test utilization and ways to collaborate with antimicrobial stewardship teams in your institution. The chapters on the microbiome, again, in section one and molecular techniques were completely rewritten um, and, again, are just excellent in, in their uh, content. In section two, which is the bacteriology section, uh, taxonomic changes among the Enterobacterales uh, necessitated reorganization of some of the existing chapters and Salmonella now deservedly has its own chapter. <laughs> um, the chapters on anaerobes have been highlighted with many new genera and species that have been discovered as a consequence of microbiome research. Um, and these organisms are making their way into updated databases of our, you know, multi-TOF mass spec instruments and other platforms. Section three comprehensively addresses antibacterial agents and susceptibility testing methods, incorporating the latest updates from CLSI and UCAST, um, which is UCAST stands for the European Committee on Antimicrobial Susceptibility Testing. And then for volume three, which is virology and volume four, mycology and parasitology, you know, those uh, chapters or those uh, volumes, I should say, follow the, the same um, outline um, as for the bacteriology chapters. Um, people will find that in section four, which is virology, uh, the transition from culture to molecular methods remains an important emphasis. Um, during, the, during the updating of the 13th edition, uh, we found ourselves in the midst of a global pandemic, you know, the SARS-CoV-2 pandemic, um, and the most transformative changes occurred to the coronavirus chapter. And I would like to take this opportunity to give a big shout out to the authors of that chapter, Dr. Benjamin Pinsky uh, from Stanford University School of Medicine and Dr. Heba Mustafa from Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, who delivered timely updated content 
through the online version of the manual, and I know we'll come back to the online version, while simultaneously battling the, the pandemic and their own uh, institutions. Um, so that content not only has the latest diagnostic approaches, but also emphasizes the importance of next generation sequencing in understanding the em emerging SARS-CoV-2 um, variants. Uh, the importance of sequencing as a tool to characterize drug resistance is also highlighted, particularly in the chapter on HIV, um, and well, as well as in the chapter on viral susceptibility uh, methods. Another important content in the virology section was an expansion of the chapter on parvoviruses and also the chapter on poxviruses because, again, just prior to publication, there was an international outbreak, as you know, of MPOX uh, beginning in May 2022. And so, again, we have the timely information uh, in that chapter. And then finally, taxonomic updates to organism groups based on advances in molecular taxonomy. Um, we know that's a controversial to topic among clinical microbiologists. Um, the rules of fungal nomenclature in particular have evolved with these new phylogenetic approaches. Uh, the manual has um, an updated chapter on uh, taxonomy classification and nomenclature in, a, in an attempt to try to demystify some of the complexity associated with these changes. Uh, new species have been added to several of the mycology and parasitology chapters. And then finally, um, you know, chapters 133 to 135 provide exciting updates um, highlighting novel antifungal treatments. You know, we finally have, uh, you know, new uh, antifungal treatments for, in particular for immunocompromised patients. And there's information in the manual on, on these new drugs, emergence of resistance, and guidelines for antifungal uh, susceptibility testing. So lots of uh, great new information in this edition. Wow, definitely. A lot of great content. Uh, you know, definitely uh, as, as a microbiologist, you know, it's it's so exciting with all this technology. And as we see more, like we're now we're seeing all these names and definitely yeah, a lot of a lot of changes. We're learning so much, all these organisms. You know, we started like at my facility, we brought Molotov a few years ago. We started seeing the increase in names. Now we're starting to work on NGS. Uh, so definitely it's just, if you like doing this, you know, you are in very exciting times. Um, and definitely, you know, I had the pleasure of, of meeting, uh, you know, Dr. Pinsky and Dr. Mustafa as well. And actually, Dr. Pinsky was a guest in this podcast. Oh, great. Yeah. So we did a great episode on viruses. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, one thing that I saw when, when this edition came out, as as you know, last year, uh, the handbook, you know, it's actually used to be three binders, and then it came up to five, you know, smaller books. And this, the Malibu Microbiology, used to be two books. You know, it changed the cover. You know, with the editions, you might remember if you have some older editions, there was like some green ones, then kind of <laughs> like a yeah, like a brownish ones. I have uh, two that are the blue ones, which was the latest, the last one before this that came out. But now when it came out and I see the and I saw the pictures and everything, you know, it is four. So four volumes. 
So what can you tell us about this and why the change? Yeah. So, you know, as you're aware, and we've already talked about, you know, the microbial world continues to expand and challenge us. Um, you know, we continue to see emergence of novel pathogens causing global pandemics. Vector-borne diseases are on the rise. There's a crisis of antimicrobial resistance that keeps microbiologists on their toes. And, you know, we have to keep pace with these resistance mechanisms and procedures to test them. So, you know, the manual has to keep pace with um, disruptive technologies that spun out of the SARS-CoV-2 um, epidemic that spurred innovation. And so in order to make room for all of that, um, it was uh, felt that, you know, uh, we needed to um, expand beyond our usual two book uh, concept. I mean, and the other, the other reason to do that also was because, uh, you know, we, the books otherwise start getting really unwieldy if they're too big. <laughs> um, and so we found that the existing content really worked well, or it was really accommodating very well in four volumes. Um, and, and also, um, one of the interesting things uh, based upon uh, user feedback is that on the book spines, uh, I'm going to hold up the book if, you're, if that's okay. <laughs> on the book spine, we're able to tell you, I don't think you can see it very well at the bottom, but we're able to tell you what is in this particular uh, volume. Um, so for example, for volume one, it's general topics, bacteriology, and general gram positives, so on and so forth. Also, for each volume, we've added an index at the back of each volume, so it's easy for you to um, find the information that you need, regardless of which volume you have, uh, you know, happen to pick up. Well, I like that, that you can see uh, when you look at the spine, I, I know that's Sometimes, you know, a little challenging that you're going to look and then you, you know, check the index and then you must say you, you grab one, but what you need, it's in the other one. Uh, other one, right. <laughs> yeah. And I guess sometimes, you know, maybe we don't, we don't think much about that. And I was actually like, you, you saw yours and I, I'm holding the older, the previous edition. Yeah. And you just <laughs> right. look and it says volume one and then you have the names It's 12th edition, but you don't see the, what's, you know, what the content is. is so, yeah. So this is, this is kind of nice, I think. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, so, you know, we're, we're in a digital era where definitely a lot of these resources are, are online and, you know, we get things that we can see the, like the CLSI online and things like that. How about this resource? Is it online? Yes, it is. So, um, based upon reader feedback, um, you know, we have heard from folks that by the time the book goes to press on an every four-year cycle, some of the content may be outdated. So ASM Press uh, in 2019 began piloting, and I have to emphasize that it's piloting, uh, an online solution called ClinMicro Now to enable an exploration of more frequent updates. And I alluded to the coronavirus chapter, which underwent several updates within that, you know, four year period of time. So the updates are really designed to uh, allow us to um, incorporate uh, changes that really should appear in the book before the next print edition. 
So this was the brainchild of ASM Press's former director, Christine Charlip. Uh, it's called Clin Micro Now. Clin Micro Now currently has the entire MCM 13 content available in electronic format, as well as the most recent fifth edition of the Clinical Micro Procedures Handbook and the fourth edition of Cases in Medical Microbiology and Infectious Diseases books. Um, I know that um, the, uh, there will continue to be online content um, going forward. Um, I'm not sure what's going to happen you know, with Clin Micro now, the, the online format may be a little different going forward, um, but um, there will always be now uh, this resource available online. Yeah, um, you know, definitely. It's very, very useful. And sometimes, you know, if you have it and then you just like working at your computer and it's easy of access uh, rather than having to stand up and get up. Uh, but yeah, this and then you know the book is just like always. You know they're available for uh, for purchase as well. So uh, that's something that you don't have to. Yeah, you know, in your lab you have a set and you can look at it. But if you you know if you wish to do some light reading, quote unquote, at home <laughs> or learn a little bit more, you're definitely you know you can go and look it up and purchase them and then you know review on your own time. You know it's a it's a great purchase as I said and and some great content that's very important for your knowledge and growth as a, as a microbiologist. Is there anything else that you want to add? Um, well, first I want to thank you, Luis, for allowing me to uh, talk about this um, uh, project. Um, it's, uh, you know, it was a labor of love. And as I said, it's been an honor and a privilege to work on MCM 13 as co-editor in chief with uh, Dr. Fowler. Um, Dr. Fowler is not going to continue for the next edition. Um, Although he has clearly contributed over the decades, um, he was volume editor for four editions and co-editor in chief on three editions of the manual. So um, the manual really benefited from his um, his expertise and his uh, incisive edits. So I'm looking forward to to working with the new co-editor in chief, Dr. Marie Landry, um, for the fourth edition. Like Dr. Fowler, Dr. Landry has been a volume editor of MCM for several of the past editions, and she will work with the section editors and volume editors of volumes three and four. And then again, I just want to thank and. Uh, just say that I've had the honor of, of working with many motivated, dedicated, creative authors and editors, as well as the amazing production editors and staff at ASM, Ellie Tupper, Ellen Fox, and, and now Megan Angelini. Um, MCM, believe it or not, MCM 14 is in the planning stages right now, and I think it's going to build upon the enthusiasm and lessons learned from the production of MCM 13. So uh, for you, those of you who are users of the manual, please uh, give us feedback on what you like and uh, what you would like to see in the next edition. And thank you again, Luis, for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. No, definitely. You know, thank you. It has been a, a pleasure. And, 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 you know, one of those things I who would have thought that, you know, me years ago, look, you know, I started using this books, so I will be talking to, you know, uh, one of the editors in chief and it just, it's, it's, it's great. Um, so no, definitely thank you for the, for taking the time and, and, 
you know, for doing this work, you know, we all, we all benefit so much from it. And I invite the audience, as I said before, you know, check out these resources. If you're in the lab, if you have some downtime, you know, look them up, look through them. And, and if you want to, and you don't have the, the, the funds and you want to purchase them, you know, go ahead. I definitely recommend it. So, you know, uh, Dr. Carol, you know, thank you so much again for taking the time to uh, be in Let's Talk Micro. You're welcome, Luis. Have a, have a great day. My pleasure. Take care. And that, my dear audience, it's the end of this episode. I hope you enjoy learning about the Manual of Clinical Microbiology. As always, I enjoy sharing this information with you. Thank you so much for the support. Thank you for downloading episodes. Thank you for sharing my content. I am so grateful. So please continue bringing that passion to what you do. It's so important. You do such great work. And stay tuned. Great things coming your way. So, as always, stay motivated, stay safe, and of course, continue talking micro. Until the next time, bye.